0: live show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy.
1: Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, They believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed. To push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams, with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAelite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Live, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today, we are going to add... The Indiana Baseball Memory Show. Uh, the gentleman that we're going to interview and talk to today played both baseball and basketball in the state. Of high school baseball and basketball in the state of Indiana. Um, I was born and raised in Indianapolis for 25 years. Uh, my grandfather started taking me to Indianapolis Indians games in 1974, and uh, of course, the Cincinnati Reds were the. Uh, the the uh, major league affiliate to the AAA Indianapolis Indians in Indianapolis. And I got to see the Reds twice a year, come up and play exhibition games against the Indians. And I have been a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan. So it is my joy and uh, uh, honor to uh, interview today Coach Mark Riggins, who is the pitching coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Coach Riggins, thank you so much for spending some time with us and taking some time out of your busy schedule to help keep the nostalgia alive.
0: Thanks, Billy, for having me
1: on. I appreciate uh, sharing some knowledge with you guys this morning, and uh, thanks for getting a hold of me. Uh, no problem whatsoever. What, what, Who introduced you to athletics uh, growing up in Indiana? Tell us a little bit about your family, and, and uh, wh- what was your first love, baseball or basketball?
0: Yeah, my father was a fast-pitch softball pitcher, and both of my grandparents played softball, and so I would go to games with my dad when he would pitch when I was younger. and. And we would travel to Washington, Indiana, and then uh, for a league. And then after the league was over, my dad traveled with some teams because he was a pretty good pitcher, and he would he would uh, hook up with some teams to travel with at the end of the regular season. So, you know, I started Little League in Crane, Indiana, and my dad was a manager. And So then went to lagodi High School and, and uh, played baseball there. But, you know, we always... Growing up in Southern Indiana, we almost everyone in the country had a basketball goal out in their driveway, and so, you know, in the wintertime, I go out there and shoot, and love basketball, and started when I was in the fifth grade, and moved on up through the high school ranks, and I loved both of them. Uh, you know, I actually really loved the game of basketball, but obviously, I was a lot better at being a pitcher in baseball. So, you know, I I was very fortunate. At Ligoti High School, that uh, we had some great teams. We always won the sectional in baseball and basketball every year and, and ended up going to the state finals in 75 in basketball and a semi-state in baseball in my junior year. So we always had great winning teams, uh, you know, a tradition at Ligoti. And just losing was not in,
1: in our vocabulary. And so I grew up with some really strong roots in, in the sports field. You know, it, it's also amazing, too, that you, you, you played for two Hall of Fame uh, uh, coaches with uh, Coach Jack Butcher being in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame and uh, Coach Tim Nante being in the Indiana basketball Hall, Baseball Hall of Fame. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's correct. They were they were both uh, in basketball. Coach Tim Nante was a junior varsity coach at the time and then a guy named Lee Kavanaugh ran the seventh and eighth grade program. So it was like a feeder system up to the varsity team and everybody was on the same page as coaches. And, you know, by the time we got to Jack Butcher at the varsity level, we were, we were ready to take on anybody fundamentally and mentally. And so we had a great foundation built, you know, all the way down to junior high on up to our seniors in high school. And so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's a, Tribute to how good of the coaches that we had at such a small high school, and uh, you know we were very fortunate to have those those caliber of coaches bringing us up along the way. And and people, you know, I don't I don't think they understand how really really good coaches both of those guys were, and uh, how how fortunate we were to have them.
1: Uh, Growing up in Southern Indiana, most of the people I talk from your area of the state were Cardinals fans. Were you a Cardinal fan or what was your favorite baseball team uh, growing up?
0: Oh yeah, I was a Cardinal fan. I used to listen to the radio going to bed at night to Harry Carey and then finally Jack Buck and Mike Shannon along the way. So, and then we would take a family vacation to St. Louis to see two or three games on a weekend. So yeah, we grew up as Cardinal fans here and uh. You know, fortunately, I got signed by the Cardinals in 1979 once I got out of Murray State University and got to pitch with them four and a half years in the minor leagues, one level short of the big leagues. And then I got offered a coaching job and and I spent uh, another 20 some years there as a uh, 24, 25 years as a coach and coordinator. So, you know, 29 years total with the Cardinals. So I got to... Signed with the team that I grew up with as a kid. And, you know, it was just very fortunate for me.
1: Uh, Mark, tell us what choices you had. Did you have choices to play college basketball? And, and why did you choose Murray State?
0: No, I didn't have any basketball offers. I was, shoot, I was just a little 5'11 guy that beat up guys underneath and, and rebounded and passed the ball around. I wasn't a high scorer or anything. And so baseball was always my future. Uh, but I had I had three or four offers out of high school for baseball, and uh, Murray State coach Johnny Reagan had seen me my junior year in a state tournament in Jasper, and uh, he he followed myself and, and two other guys in Evansville. We were all we were all juniors that year, and so uh, the Murray State coach showed. Interest, even in Legion Ball, he came and saw me a couple times, and then the following year, my senior year, he saw me again. And so, you know, I got to visit Murray State my senior year. Loved the area, and it was a, a you know smaller school. It's up to 10,000 students now, but at that time, it's probably around 8,000. So everything was great there. the the, the size of the school, the the uh, you could get to the country within a
1: mile and, and travel on some highways and so forth. So that's how I ended up at Murray State. Coach, tell us a little bit about that <laughs> playing for Coach Jack Butcher and you guys going to the finals that one year. Uh, can you give us a little bit? Uh, share some of your memories of that season. Does anything specifically stick out with you and Coach Jack Butcher? Well, Jack was uh,
0: you know he to me he was a genius at, at coaching. Players, we weren't that talented, uh, but we played together as a as a unit. Uh, his son Bill was our starting forward. He was the the captain of the team, the leader of the team, and you know we were just so fundamentally sound. The practices were actually harder than the games. You know, we would practice and and and, and shoot many 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 free throws and practice our defense, practice our our rebounding and offense was just kind of secondary. It just happened, but the fundamentals of the defense and making sure that we took percentage shots in practice and shooting a lot of free throws, you know, that's what, what helped us, uh, beat other teams was our defense. And then we just scored, you know, enough points to beat the teams. You know, memory was, was, uh, we were down by eighteen points a week to South Ridge at one time in a regular season. We'd we we had not lost a game and we were three fourths away into the season. I think we were down sixteen or eighteen points at halftime and and uh we figured well we're gonna get our butts chewed out here a little bit. And uh Jack just walked in, walked around the room and walked out and <laughs> it was just kind of uh intimidation by silence <laughs> and we went out there and in one game, so we knew we were just kind of you know playing half and just that that imitation intimidation by his silence walking in, we knew what we were doing wrong, and
1: we went out there and and took it to him after that. you know Lagodi has such a rich history of basketball um can you can you let the people who are listening know like what was the atmosphere like at a home game at Lagodi? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the gymnasium held more than the population of the town, and it was standing room only in those days, in the in the mid-70s, early 70s and mid-70s, and that was just a thing to do. The following by the crowd was unbelievable. Uh, people came from a lot of places just to watch uh, Lagoti basketball. Even though they weren't a fan, they just wanted to see what what's going on here at this place. You know, they're always winning, and there would be People drive from Evansville just to see a game and, and, and experience the atmosphere. It was it was loud, it was intense, and uh, you know it was a, a thing for the small community for everyone to gather together and 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 share in that sporting event as a group. It, was, it just wasn't us playing; it was you know, it was the town of Legody playing. That's that's the way we, we thought of it.
1: You know, I I feel like they should change the area code for that area to 806 because 806 victories by Coach Butcher is just amazing, and I don't see that's a record that'll ever be broken.
0: No, he you know he started young and uh, he struggled, I believe, his first year or two and losing records, and and then you know ultimately he finished you know as a leading coach in Indiana history and. You know, it uh, that takes a lot of years. It takes a lot of winning. It takes a lot of preparation. You know, that's that's quite a record for such a small school. And uh, you know, we played some rather large schools in the tournament, and, and uh, you know, he ga- gathered a lot of wins playing big schools outside of the the, the area. And, and uh, you know, it's it's quite an honor for him to uh, still have that record. And, probably will stand
1: for a long long time how does the baseball compare to the basketball what field did you guys play at you said you went to a semi-state one year can you kind of run us through that season the uh the basketball semi-state uh well you baseball you went semi-state also correct oh yeah 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 jasper jasper held the
0: the regional in the semi-state and uh so the atmosphere, even at those baseball games, when you got into the tournament at Jasper, which is a very rich uh, sports town, you know, you've got two, 3,000 people jammed in there watching, watching a state tournament game. And uh, so the atmosphere there was exciting. And usually we played a team out of Evansville in the semi-state, and and uh, the one guy that I pitched against, Andy Rice, that went, he and I went to Murray State together, and he was a top pitcher in Southern Indiana. And so we, we, you know, we knew each other, we had faced each other before, and so ultimately we
1: hooked up together at, at the university and spent four years together there. You know, while you were at Murray State, or even after you graduated from Ligoti, did you have in your mind that that was the goal that you wanted to do, is you wanted to play professional baseball?
0: Yes, it was. It's, uh, I, I played at Murray State, and then in the summer, I played uh, I, a traveling team in Washington under a guy named Joe Hawthorne that lives in Washington. I pitched for them for a couple of years to, to get in some summer ball, and then, then I moved on to a uh, team in Terre Haute, Indiana, and the Holman All-Stars, and it was a traveling team that played in northern Indiana, central Indiana, and so, how I got hooked up with them was we would always play Terre Haute down here at Washington, and it seemed like I'd beat them every time. And I think the coach finally got tired of me beating them. And he called me one summer and said, Hey, I'm tired of you beating us. I want you to play for us so we can beat everybody, you know. So, and uh, that's how I ended up uh, with, with, with Terre Haute and the home All-Stars. and All Stars. And that's how I ended up getting signed. I didn't get drafted out of Murray State after my senior year. And I was playing summer ball with Terre Haute and August 15th is, uh, I was playing pitching in a game in Indianapolis, Indiana, and a scout walked up to me and offered me a contract. So I was within two weeks of finding a real job and a different career for the rest of my life. And, you know, it's just a, a life changer when I signed a contract with the Cardinals.
1: What as a professional baseball player, what were your best pitches? I had a curveball and change up
0: and uh, fastball wasn't extremely hard. I, I could locate it pretty well, and, and I just had to mix pitches. Uh, when I went to Murray State, I wasn't the best pitcher there. Uh, when I played summer ball, it seemed like things changed for me, where I was more relaxed. I, I could do what I wanted to really do, and I pitched better in the summer, and then i go back in the fall and pitch really well. and. And so, you know, those things of uh, the opportunity came actually playing summer ball, even though the same scout that signed me had seen me at Murray State and had followed along with me and checked me out in
1: the summer and, and decided to offer me a contract. You know, you're playing baseball in the Midwest. At Murray State, did you have to play in snow a couple times? Uh, we did. We did. Uh, not too many, though. I mean, just a couple.
0: It was in the 30s and. And uh, you know we always played the northern teams—North uh, Dakota, South Dakota, uh, Ohio State—came in for a couple series. Brown University, so a lot of the teams would make their southern swing and they'd hit us. And uh, you know they'd go through Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and then on their way back hit hit through the Kentucky side. But it wasn't wasn't too bad. It was you know it's uh,
1: it wasn't where we never missed a game because of the cold or snow. Uh while at Murray State, did you face any batters or any players that eventually went on and played in the major leagues?
0: Uh, not that I recall that's at that time, I really didn't know who I was facing or how good they were I mean, it was just a batter to me and and uh I, I really never never I don't think that I faced anyone that's been to the major leagues them you know, may have but that's that's a just never really thought about it that
1: we just thought about competing and not who we were facing just trying to beat the team as a as a unit do you remember the day that you signed your professional contract and and kind of uh, how you were feeling that day that you did
0: yeah uh very distinctly i was uh i drove to indianapolis and was sitting in the parking lot and and this guy came and walked up to my car i was waiting on the team to come out of terre haute uh, over over Indianapolis, and this guy came and knocked on my window and asked me if I was Mark Riggins. I said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm here to offer you a contract today." And he said, uh, "The Baltimore Orioles are here also to to offer you a contract, but if you talk to them, then our deal is off." And <laughs> and he he said, uh, "You know, we don't even we don't you don't even have to pitch the game." And he goes, "Oh yeah," I got, said, "I have to pitch the game," and and so. I went out and pitched the game and we went to an Arby's restaurant after that with my parents were there and we all went and signed a contract.
1: That's awesome. It sound it sounded like you were talking to the people from Shark Tank.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was an exciting day because that was uh our last tournament for the year and after that I was planning on uh, finding a job at my degree and and uh fortunately for me he, he saw enough interest in me and offered me a contract so it was it was an exciting day and I ended up going to uh two days later I drove to Gastonia North Carolina and started my professional career and that was 36 years ago
1: what was it like in the minors do you do you still remember to this day your, your debut and and what was travel like in in the minor leagues well the travel is pretty much still the same for the minor leaguers it's a, uh,
0: I remember my debut I pitched a couple of innings in relief and and uh, you know you're 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 making six hundred dollars for the month and you got four or five guys living in a place together to try to make ends meet and uh, riding in cars together the bus rides were long they still are right now and and uh, it's a very 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 tough life for for uh, ball players, but you know we all have that goal to get to the big leagues, and you have to start somewhere. And you know, when I believe the minor league A-ball guys are making a thousand dollars a month now, and that's for five months. So, you know, you figure that out. It's five thousand dollars for your for your income, and then you have to go find a winter job to to survive. So, but you you know you never think about that because you're you're running you know, the trail of trying to get to the major leagues and whatever it takes, it takes. And the hardships never enter your mind. And in those days, you know, it was tough and it still is tough for our minor leaguers now. They they come from major universities out of the draft and our high school kids, you know, they're leaving home for the first time. And it's a, it's a culture shock that, back in the, in my days the ballparks were not very good today almost all the ballparks are really really nice and but it's a culture shock to the kids you know they're coming from major universities that they're in a little hotel and then they're riding the buses and you know some parks may have 500 people at the game or thousand so whatever but it it's it's it, it's different for them and and uh, they they'll have those memories the rest of their lives of the struggles that they go through to get to the big leagues.
1: Is that any, is the minor leagues any comparison to the movie bull Durham? Pretty close.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty close. The, you know, the, uh, the guys, you have a lot of idle time on your hands when you're on the road. And, you know, the, now you have, you know, the computers and social media and stuff that, that you can do, but, back in the days it was you know we just hung out together and and spent a lot of time with each other that's one part about the game now it seems like the game is more individualized there's so much things that you can do by yourself or versus in our days you would have to do things together as a group you know go somewhere together to a movie or or play cards together just stuff like that so it's a little different now with the social media that they can do things on their own and read and play games, whatever.
1: At what point in time did the little light bulb go off in your head and and you wanted to teach and coach?
0: Oh, well, exactly the day my playing career was over. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't really think about being a coach until in 1983. I was a, a, a player coach, a pitcher coach, uh, which – we don't have that anymore. It's where uh, you, you're kind of at the end of your career and, and they offer you to be a player coach and help out a younger team. And so I did in and, and A-ball and then I ended up going to AAA to help out. And in that winter, they offered me a full-time coaching job. And so, you know, I still wanted to play, but my wife and I talked it over and I got into a new career. And uh, so you never want to stop playing. Uh, I was uh, I had my degree, and you know I wanted to not waste my time in baseball. I didn't think I had a chance to make it and I was at that point where I was you know I didn't want to sit for six or seven years and never make it and I wanted to move on to you know something in my life where I could either use my degree, but ultimately they gave offered me a coaching job, and I started that career.
1: So do you have a couple of uh, victories under your belt as an interim manager with the Louisville Redbirds? I think so.
0: Uh, Yeah. When I was at Louisville as a coach in the early 90s, our uh, manager had to have an operation. And so he missed about a week or 10 days, and I had to manage there. But I was a pitching coach there. Now we have a hitting coach or – that would take over that role, but at the time it was just myself and a manager. And so when he was gone, I had to take over, and and another guy came in to help me out. But yeah, I had a couple wins there professionally. But that I've been offered to manage two or three different times, but no, I just I just
1: rather stay on the pitching side and enjoy that. And why are you so good on the pitching side? Is just the relationship that you have with the players, or your experience, or uh, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, I think I'm a pretty good teacher. You know, back in when I played, uh, we would always help each other out because we didn't have a pitching coach on the team. We had two roving instructors that came around once a month, or, and we just were on our own. And that's how the game has changed in the minors: is that you have a pitching coach and a hitting coach now at every team. In our and, and in those days, it was just a manager. And he was by himself and a trainer. And so, you know, we would help each other out, and I was pretty good at helping other guys out. And then I think the the uh, front office and the managers that I was with saw that, that I could help guys out. And that's ultimately, that's how I became a coach. You know, to, I think as a coach myself, I, I can teach a lot of different things, uh, mechanics, the mental game, the Every level that we have, whether it's from rookie ball all the way to AAA, it's a different mindset that in teaching of of the guys, um, the lower you go, it's more fundamentals of delivery, trying to execute pitches, trying to get a breaking ball to break right. And by the time they've played three years, two to four years, they move on up the ladder, and and now it becomes a mind game. Of setting up hitters, looking for hitters' weaknesses, what pitch to throw, how to make adjustments, men on base, trying to get a ground ball, how to get out of a situation. So it's more on the mental side. So as a coordinator that I've done for the past four years with the Reds, you know that's every place that I travel to, I I walk in there with a different mindset to teach to their capabilities at, at each place that
1: I go to Coach what did you think of uh, this baseball season and uh, were you happy with the, the outcome with the with the Royals and did you enjoy this baseball season
0: yeah I did that uh, was a great World Series uh, you know the Royals you know they they were there last year and, and you, they could really smell it and they wanted to win it this year you know the, the Mets the Mets are going to be in that same boat next year uh, the Cubs are putting things together, you know, this year. They're going to be a force next year. Obviously, the Cardinals are always going to have a good team. Uh, but, you know, the the playoffs, they're a different animal than the regular season. The regular season gets you to the playoffs, and, you know, you have 162-game schedule, and once you get in those playoffs, it's a, you know, it's a short series, and so any mistake that's made, you know, whether it's a miscue on a ground ball or a drop fly ball or not executing a bunt, it's so magnified in the playoffs and it's the team that's playing the best and who can execute, come up with a clutch hit at the right moment and obviously had good pitching, you know, they, they win it. So it was a very exciting, I like watching the playoffs and watching the pitchers and see how they attack hitters and, because the pressure is huge with those guys, and and I like to I pick up things from the playoffs and and uh, to teach things for next year to some guys.
1: You know, it's interesting. I lived in Kansas City for about five years, and I think each one of those years they had close to a hundred losses. And now right. I li- and now I live in Houston, Texas, and you know, uh, right. last baseball season they had a hundred losses and they made the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Houston uh, Astros, uh, Jeff Lunow. Was there as a general
0: manager. He was with the Cardinals, uh, and I was under him in the minor leagues. He was our our, our uh, farm director at the time. I was there with him for two years. Very very sharp guy, and uh, he's got a couple guys that work with him. Analytically, they he's at the top of the top of the list of applying the analytics to the game right now, and uh, knows talent, knows how to gauge talent. And so Houston's, you know, they're on the upswing. You know, Jeff does a great job over there with that club.
1: You know, with all the organizations that you've worked for, are they primarily the same top-notch? Or are there differences between all the organizations that you've worked for? They're all
0: really similar. It's, uh, they, they may have a little different ways of going about their business, but every, every team is set up the same way you know with a farm system uh, scouting system some organizations may have more scouts uh, some may have more analytical people some teams may have more coaches so it, but primarily it, it's all run the same way it's just how they're running it that makes a little bit of a difference and some some see the importance of player development Some see the importance of going and signing free agents. So there's a different philosophy for, you know, each individual organization. uh, But it's set up the same way. It's just their philosophies may be different.
1: You know, growing up, I I think we're pretty similar in age. You know, baseball was a passion of mine. And, you know, you had the baseball cards and and you just you knew every name in the league. Today, do you think the game is just as strong today as it was when we were younger and do you still think there's a passion about the game?
0: I think so. You know, I think it's in a different way. I think there are, you know, the attendance at ball games is, you know, at, at the highest it's ever been. Uh, the kids, I think, they follow the social media more. They pick their teams. It's a different way of, of uh, watching a game or keeping up with the team. Where we did the baseball cards and listened to the radio, and now you've got the MLB Network, and you can follow it online, and it's it's a little different, but I think the passion's there. It's it's just a different way of, of, of seeing a ball game or, or getting the information about you know the scores and how a game was played. You know we have we have parents that follow their their sons on on uh, the internet say in Billings, Montana, their games are on the internet. So, you know, that's unbelievable how, you know, you can sit at home and watch your son in Billings, Montana playing a game, you know, that's unheard of, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So it's it's a really, really changed uh, all for the
1: better, too. So have you rolled up your sleeves and already dove into what you're uh, getting ready to take uh, part of now? Yes, we
0: we have, uh, we're starting getting stuff together. I, I'm getting stuff together on our pitchers, uh, bullpen coach Mac Jenkins, who's been there for four years in Cincinnati. He knows the pitchers, so I'm using him you know, to gain some information. We have video, we have scouting reports. Uh, But the first thing I want to do is is gather knowledge on each one of our guys, what they do the best, what their weaknesses are, and work on some of that stuff for spring training to try to make some changes or make some calls this winter to each one of them and, and express what I think they should be working on before they come to spring training. We're, we're also, Brian Price and I have talked, we're going to have a little uh, summit out in Arizona with 10 or 11 of our young pitchers, and two or three day thing, just what is the Reds way, you know, what, what's expected of each of those guys, and so that's going to be, you know, kind of an icebreaker for me to uh, be around the guys for three or four days, and where Come more comfortable with me before we start spring training in February.
1: Yeah, I know it's crazy to say, but that's only pitchers and catchers that report in like 105 or 106 days, right?
0: Yes. It, <laughs> it's a winter time is short. You, about a month and uh, these days take off about a month and relax. And then now they start their weightlifting or training programs because it's a, it's a big money business now and the training that these guys do in the wintertime is unbelievable compared to what it used to be in the past, because, you know, the more that they can keep themselves in shape, the more years that they can play because there's so much money involved now that, uh, you know, they have to do that and they want to extend their careers. And then as the other guys are doing that, then the comp- that makes competition for the guys all, all across the board if you don't keep up with everybody else you're going to lag behind so you know the, the training now is totally different than it used to be it, it's almost a year-round job even you know to, to be a baseball player even though you're playing you know from April to October So it's it's different
1: now coach you you were with the Cardinals when they had uh, won a couple world Series championships right within the organization? yes
0: yeah, i actually have i got four rings from them when I was with st Louis uh very fortunate to be uh, you know a, a minor league coach but when they won a championship or went to the world Series, we we got rings in uh 85 87 uh, 2004 and
1: in 2006 so 2006 was the the world Series championship so that's that's the prime ring. Uh, Mark, do you, do you wear them? Do you have these in a in a vault, or uh, do do you enjoy wearing it? Or Are you just kind of a how does that you know from someone you know? It's 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 always I I, I like to get the uh, fans involved with kind of hearing about that stuff because you just don't you know. Yeah, we
0: how uh, you wear it. I wore mine for a while, and and now they're stored away, and <laughs> and uh, you know. My daughter will end up with them at some point, I'm sure. Or, you know, but they're a great memory that you know you pull out and look at it. And it's like that's a great memory. But I, you know, they're uh, it's awesome that the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, treated all of us in the minor league system and 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 felt that we deserved a ring to to honor the major league club. You know, not all organizations do that, and. And that was to show their gratitude was really awesome for us to be able to receive those.
1: Coach, we appreciate your time, but I want to ask one question before we go. And, and, and what do you see the outlook for the Cincinnati Reds? Do you think that they will be a playoff contender next year? We, that's what our goal is. It's,
0: uh, I think the lineup is solid. The lineup hasn't changed that much. The, the problem that's hurt us is the injuries. Uh, Mesuraco, Cozart last year shortstop. Uh, you know, every now and then, one of the other guys has to miss a week or two weeks. Uh, but the, it all boils down to the starting pitching. You know, we hope we that's our goal is to get to the playoffs. Uh, the the guys on paper are very young on on, on the pitching side. And, you know, that's that's a little bit of an unknown. Uh, I think that they may go and look for a couple more veteran pitchers over the winter to uh, help guide these younger guys. You know, I can coach them so far, but they really listen to their peers. You know, that's where Homer Bailey comes into play. And, uh, you know, he's a veteran guy that can help guide. Despofani is starting to become that, one of our starting pitchers. The rest of them. We're very, very young. Chapman in the bullpen, you know, is a veteran guy. And then the rest of the team is very, very young. So it's kind of a kind of an unknown really, but our goal is to get to the playoffs.
1: Coach, did you ever have in 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 all the years that you've been in baseball you know, all the people that you've met and been associated with, did you ever have a wow moment or a moment where you stepped away and you said, I just met so-and-so who, who did this, this, and this, and that was amazing, and if it wasn't for my love and involvement with baseball, I wouldn't have met him?
0: Oh, uh, Kurt Gowdy. Wow. Uh, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, those were those were two interesting guys. Kurt Gowdy, I used to watch the... Saturday outdoor show and he was the the guy for that and and uh, Tony Larusa when I was with St. Louis in springtime Tony would bring in many many different personalities different guys uh, Bobby Knight was there every spring you know so you got to meet some uh, John Habelchek came in I got to meet him so you know there were some very interesting guys I mean Johnny Bench with the Reds comes to spring training and you know they're just all normal people that and you have normal conversations but then you step back after you talk to them and go wow you know what this guy's done. You know one of the, the one of the ultimate things in my career was uh, when I was with Chicago in 11 is we played in Boston and and to walk from the clubhouse down that tunnel out onto the field you, you think about all the history and how many guys have walked through this tunnel, you know, out to the ball field, all these famous ball players. And it's, it's kind of sets you back just for a little bit to think about the history of the game. And, you know, Boston's clubhouse was very small. The lockers were tiny. And to walk down through that tunnel out on the
1: field, it just kind of hits you for a little bit to think about who walked out here in the same path that you just came through. I mean, not, not to sound goofy, but I got goosebumps even thinking about a Ted Williams car, your Skrimski, you know, a yeah. Carl, Carlton Fisk hitting that home run in 75. Uh, yeah. A- amazing. Yeah.
0: Sure was. It's been a great, great career for me to think that, you know, when I started this in 84 and still doing it, it's, you know, you wouldn't even have dreamed that would ever happen. But it, it happens. And you know so you know to the people out there the young people you know set goals and 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 push for those goals and never give up and you just you got to put yourself in a place all the time and that comes with hard
1: work and and putting forth the effort and believing that you can do it You've been listening to Mark Riggins, your Cincinnati Reds pitching coach. Coach, good luck with the upcoming season. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us. I'm sure the people back home in Indiana and around the United States will enjoy listening to your memories and uh, uh, about your life and your career. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Billy, for having me on, sharing, sharing some good memories here. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, Coach.